0: There was a lot of unknowns. People were nervous, a non-family member had never led the company before. So what was gonna be different? Was the culture gonna change? Was the direction of the strategy gonna change?
1: This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. This is not business as usual. Now more than ever, the Norway Savings Business Lending Team is here to help make sure you're still
2: able to do what you do. But let's face it, this is not an easy time.
1: We will get through it together. It's a great comfort seeing the business community in Maine rallying around one another. It's our job to rally around you. Norway Savings. Live your life in color.
2: Welcome, listeners, to the Day That Changed Everything podcast. I'm Renee Cordes with Maine Biz, speaking today with Gary Merrill, president and CEO of Hussey Seating Company, about how he came to lead the family owned firm. Gary, thank you for sitting down with us today.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Sure. So before we get to Hussey Seating and your time there, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, I'm a native Mainer. I grew up in Portland, Maine. I went to Deering High School. And upon graduating from Deering, I went to University of Maine in R.O. and majored in accounting. After that, I worked for a little bit and then went to grad school at Babson College in, in Massachusetts. And upon graduating from Babson, started my career in public accounting uh, for at the time was Cooper's and Library Waterhouse now PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, where I earned my CPA and worked for until my late 20s and uh, when I turned 30 I decided I wanted to get into private um, industry and work in uh, so I searched for a opportunity and found one with Hussey Seating Company.
2: And so what attracted you to accounting in the first place? Were you one of these uh, lifelong math wizards in school?
0: It's just something I, I gravitated towards. I was a business major in uh, the four disciplines uh, that they offered at, at, at Maine, U Maine. I, I enjoyed my the classes I took, uh, the accounting classes I took, and developed a knack for it. So I just kind of gravitated to that side of the business.
2: Now, uh, tell us a little bit about Hussey Seating. Not all of our listeners may know the name, but uh, what can you tell us uh, very briefly uh, to introduce us to the company? So
0: we're a very unique company in regards to being 185 years old. We're owned by the sixth generation, moving to the seventh generation. We're one of the oldest continuously owned family companies in the country. Uh, Last I checked, we were, I think, in the top longest 50 we have been based in uh, North Berwick here f- since 1835. Obviously, we've weren't. we we've, um, we've evolved over the years and doing many, many different products. But in the early 60s, we started manufacturing outdoor bleachers and then indoor bleachers. Continued to expand our market presence in we, what we call, what we define as, as spectator seating. And really, it's, to us, spectator seating is bleachers and auditorium seating in K-12. through college and university, lecture halls, as well as outdoor sports venues. And we also do uh, major projects, which we refer to as major project, but that's professional sports. Um, So we kind of run the, run the gamut from K through 12 to uh, major league um, sports.
2: Interesting. And how many uh, people does Hussey employ? And you have a few uh, manufacturing facilities in North Berwick, right?
0: All of our manufacturing here is in North Berwick. Um, we also, we have sales offices in our, around the world. We have 330 people total. We have a sales office in Ho Chi Minh City and Vietnam that helps us service the Pacific, Asia Pacific region. Um, we also have salespeople around the U.S. and we have a joint venture with a company in, in the U.K. So for a small little company in North Berwick, Maine, we have a pretty big footprint in the niche business that we compete in, which is spectator seating. Um, and we're, our brand is one of the strongest brands um, in the world when it comes to uh, to working with uh, major architects around the world on their venues.
2: Also, the, the range that you mentioned is quite interesting that you guys do everything from school gyms to huge mega arenas, right? What are some of the biggest venues that you guys have made seating for?
0: Some of the largest ones we've done, we've done Gillette Stadium with the Patriots play, but we've also done recently um, United Center, which is where the Chicago Bulls and the Blackhawks play, we uh, actually was, we were very proud of that one. We originally installed it when the building was new 23, 24 years ago. And then just recently, two summers ago, they came to us and it was time to, uh, to upgrade the building. And after 22 years of our product being in the building, they just negotiated directly with us and we replaced uh, all uh, 18,000 seats in the facility. But we have arenas and stadiums around the country that we're, we're very competitive with as well as around the world. So our ability to, to help the, these facility owners reconfigure their seating to maximize sight lines and comfort for their, for their spectators is what I think sets our company apart from others. Our core business is really servicing those K through 12 schools throughout the country. And we like to say that, uh, you know, everybody probably listening has Seen, been in a gymnasium and sat in a bleacher from uh, junior high or, or high school sure. and we have about a 50% U.S. market share so we like to say if, if you're sitting in a gym in Seattle, Washington or in, in California or in, uh, in Florida there's a 50-50 chance that uh, it's a hussy bleacher um, and it's something that we've been doing for almost 50-60 years that we've been in the telescopic seating business so various codes in, throughout the country.
2: And this is a very specialized niche market, so Hussey is one of how many companies doing this, or how big or or small is this niche?
0: There's probably two other major competitors based in the U.S. There's foreign competitors that, are, that come and go. There's a couple in Canada that are relatively small, but our two major competitors are, are both based in, in the United States, one in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and the other in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We don't have a lot of competitors but we we know each other very very well and it's a healthy healthy competition between us uh, as we go after these opportunities and, and we know each other very well because we're both long-standing companies
2: so now let's talk a bit about the company itself and how it's set up so first of all it's a family-owned company so who owns hussey company how many owners are there
0: hussey family owns it they own 100 percent of the stock uh, the sixth generation um, owns uh, the voting shares uh, the majority of the voting shares is, is is morphing into is more more the seventh generation becomes of age and they're also uh, acquiring some uh, some of the stock but it's a great advantage to us to have um, the Hussey family on us they're very very supportive of us um, we're allowed to really reinvest our earnings back into the organization and and continue to grow so it's it's a it's a great opportunity for us to, to have such a uh, supportive uh, stockholder group uh, as the Hussey family.
2: And the history is just uh, very interesting too. Company going back to 1835, I know it started out making plows before it got into bleachers. So are there any historic highlights that stand out for you? Because you probably know this history inside out.
0: No, it was, uh, you're right, they started with plows and, and that was a, a major farm uh, implements was a major basis of their manufacturing. But They also had a winter sports division, actually the 1930, first Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. um, The Hussey Seating Company built the ski jumps uh, um, and a lot of the outdoor uh, venues there for them. So they did an outdoor sports division. They also did various things during both World War's uh, manufacturing uh, armaments for the the military. So if you go downtown Portland to the Old Port area, You'll see a lot of the fire escapes are, are with Hussey Manufacturing. So it's, is that uh, right? <laughs> so it's they they looked for a product line for years, um, and uh, Phil Senior was the one that really guided them to the to the bleachers. And the first indoor bleacher they they manufactured uh, was for the Portland Boys Club. So they've they've had a long history of manufacturing steels fabrication in the state of Maine
2: interesting so let's fast forward now to the time that you joined uh the company in 1986 right as accounting manager so how did you come to work for hussey i know you talked about that you wanted to work for a private company how did they get out on your radar
0: so i was uh, again happy with what i was doing it was a, i liked enjoyed being in public accounting but i wanted to experience the private and a lot of what i learned at babson i wanted to apply um in a, in a more of a typical uh, private enterprise company and so I looked for a while and then the opportunity to uh, came about with Hussey is is I liked the fact that they were a manufacturer but also had an international footprint as well as a national footprint so it was a lot of challenges that again, so much they, were already you,
2: they were already they already had an international footprint yep, to some
0: extent, yes they also had some some divisions in, in Canada and in the UK okay. and uh so it was an exciting opportunity to be able to stay in Maine. I wanted to stay um, and continue to live in Portland, but also work with a with a progressive company and, and something that was in it. And it, um, being in sports was a venture. Was a, being associated with the sports industry was interesting to me also.
2: Right. And did you ever expect, you know, when you started there that you would end up making a career there? Did you expect to stay as long as you have?
0: No, I did not. When I came here, I said, well, I'll, I'll, um, get into private and then work for four to five years and then see what other opportunities present themselves. Uh, and the next thing I know, I, it's uh, time, uh, 30 years has gone by. So it
2: uh, <laughs> goes by like that, right? It does. Now, over the years, you've served in a number of different roles. So what can you tell us about the different roles that you've had at Hussey Seating?
0: Well, that was the, again, what appealed me to, appealed to, to me was I didn't get pigeonholed into the, in the finance or the accounting area of the business. Phil Hussey, uh, who I worked for originally when I, when I came here, and Peter Hussey, I worked for Peter also, The both brothers, um, allowed me to, to work in different areas. I worked in operations for, uh, for a segment in international sourcing, as well as finance um, and, and, and project management. I worked in, in many different disciplines within the organization.
2: So you got, really got to know the, the company inside out.
0: Yeah, it was very, very valuable in order for me to, to be able to experience and lead those and, and really a lot of those roles interfacing with the customers, getting to know the customers, getting to know our dealer base, as well as our direct customers. And the And it helped a lot in terms of developing and understanding the strategy and, and direction that we want to go then as, as well as now, but um, it was it was a great opportunity that I really appreciate Phil and Peter giving me the opportunity to move in many different areas, as well as Tim.
2: And what was it like to, to work for Tim, and you know, how would you describe your working relationship with him?
0: Um, it was very good. I mean, Tim and I were about the same age, and we kind of grew up, if you will, in the company together. Uh, we worked a lot of similar roles, some of the roles that, that Tim and I followed him in that um in in those uh, positions and so uh, and again we were uh we, same age same challenges and um so we we were we close from that perspective and we had a good friendship and, and we learned a lot from each other so it was a it was a good environment and uh, something i enjoyed much and once returning it, it really since i knew so many of the people the players both internally as well as externally the same dealers and and uh, it was it, um Coming back into the organization, it went very quickly, so um, it just wasn't much of a startup, if you will.
2: Right, and and how is Tim's style different from that of his, his father's?
0: That's a good question. Uh, Tim was a, probably a little bit more, if I say, outgoing, if you will. Phil would think things through a little bit more, but Phil was a great visionary. He knew where he wanted to lead the company. He knew what he wanted to do. He was the one that pushed us. In terms of vertical integration, in terms of the plastics companies we bought, the international. Phil was very passionate about international sales and okay. expanding our brand. Um, and Tim uh, picked up a lot of that from from his dad um, and, and from his uncle. Peter was uh, here during the same same time period. So it was they were different, but in a lot of ways, a lot alike, too.
2: Well, now let's um, fast forward several years to the time that Tim Hussey uh, w- was diagnosed with uh, with cancer and something that he he shared publicly. I think he had a blog. Do you recall when you first heard about it? Tim must have shared that with you in a private conversation.
0: He shared it with us um, after he got the diagnosis. It was obviously stunning to, to all of us involved. Again, Tim was my age, so it was something that was a it was sobering to hear, I mean, obviously, uh, some of the things that uh, you don't want to hear, it was, you know, it was, it was rare, but it was uh, an aggressive type of cancer, but Tim has just had unbelievable uh, fortitude saying that he's going to fight this and he's going to, he's going to beat it. And uh, he, uh, he worked very, very hard and, and uh, was an inspiration to, to many of us during those, uh, those two years in which uh, he was fighting. Sure. Uh, at that time, he made he made me chief operating officer, and and we were able to to map out you know, different scenarios in which you know, if his involvement was uh, was cut back a little bit because of various treatment processes. What my role would be, and, and vice versa. So it was an incredible vision on his part to, to you know he had strong desire to not only like, like I said for his family and to, and to fight this, but. The commitment to the to the business. I mean, it, he was the sixth generation to, to lead the organization, and he uh, he wanted to make sure that 300 people at the time, 250 people here, um, that we, we had a viable business, and we continued, and and things were in in good hands. So,
2: sadly, he did not beat it, and it must have felt like losing a family member yourself uh, when when he passed.
0: Yeah, it was very very uh, tough on the organization, tough on us and, and the management team, and, and I think it was something that it was almost a surreal type, uh, situation, uh, cause she kept on, if anybody's going to beat this, Tim was going to beat it. Um, so when it, when it didn't work out that way, it was, uh, it was tough, but you had to, uh, look at the responsibility to, to, to continue for the company to, to continue to operate, continue to, uh, to provide way of living for 250 people. So it was, and the, and the family, the Hussey family themselves, they were, they were very supportive. And uh, this wouldn't have been possible without their support um, in, in regards to me becoming CEO.
2: Good. And so then you were elected president and CEO of Hussey Seating that same month, uh, June 2016. So what do you recall about that day that you were named uh, president and CEO?
0: Not much, really. <laughs> it was kind of, a you know, just a, a very strange time frame. Uh, it was something that things didn't really change overnight. It was just kind of I'd been kind of going in that direction. So it wasn't like a light was the switch was flipped and and, uh-huh. I, and I had a new role. I'd be kind of been growing into that. So I think uh, my first objective was just to, to uh, uh, maintain calm and, and focused, that we were going to be all right as a company, that we were going to be still continue to do what we were been so successful doing, um, and that we were going to continue to, to, to operate here in, in, in Maine, and, and we were, we were a, a very strong company, and cause there was a lot of unknowns. People were nervous. Nobody had ever, you know, a non-family member had never led the company before, so what was going to be different? Was the culture going to change? Was the direction of the strategy going to change? So, those initial months was more just... Calming everybody down, getting everybody uh, to focus and, and to continue on doing what they have been doing successfully um, up until that time. So it was a again not a, not a hard right turn. It was just continuing on uh, on the course that we we're going on.
2: And you mentioned about having to give uh, reassurances to the family to to stay calm. You were the first non-family member, you know, to lead this company in its a very long history. So you know, what what reassurances, for example, did did you give them?
0: I think it was mostly just to uh, continue to say, look, you've been doing your job well, very well. Just continue doing it, continuing to talk. One of the other challenges is was with the customer bases. At the same time Tim passed was our vice president of sales, Jack Rogers, who had been with us for over 40 years, uh, retired. So uh, we lost him and Jack retired the same month. So again, Gosh. reassuring that uh, customer base, that dealer base. So it's just a... A lot of talking, connecting with people, um, giving them, you know, being very transparent and and open was was very key during that during that time in that process.
2: Obviously, a very busy time. We'll now take a very short break and hear from one of our sponsors. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what that new role was like for you.
0: As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V I S T A G E.com. Very important to a family-owned company is to, to really understand the family wants and desires and, and the culture. I think it's critical to the overall success of the organization and I think having that personal relationship with, with many of them is, is critically important to maintaining the, the success of the company.
2: Welcome back. We're talking to Gary Merrill, President and CEO of Hussey Seating, about becoming the first non-family member to lead that family-owned company. So we were just talking about when you were named President and CEO in June 2016. And I believe at that same time, a member of the Hussey family was named board chair. So was that part of this transition?
0: yes um, again I was talking earlier about Tim's ability to really compartmentalize and think of what needed to be done and uh, he felt uh, and he worked with the with the whole board um, his his cousin Leticia Beauregard was on the board and worked with her to to assume because Tim was also not only was the president and CEO he's also chairman of the board okay um, so and there's always been a family member chairman of the board so chair and so yeah, he approached uh, Letitia Chairperson. So he asked, uh, uh, worked with Letitia, and upon his passing, she was elected as as board chair.
2: Um, and you knew Letitia, presumably from? Yeah, I
0: I worked with Letitia. I we would uh, at board meetings and at the, the family forums. I had met her and worked with her over the years. So it was again a, a very good transaction transition. I'm sorry, we we both knew each other. Um, again I had her confidence and, and, and she had mine in terms of, of working together because Tim not only ran the company but he kind of was the, the uh, as board chair was was overseeing a lot of the family interests so Leticia had to take on that role in terms of uh, representing the family and, and, and working with me so it's been a great. Great relationship. Uh, hope she says it that way, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure she does. And what what did you sort of learn from him that you incorporate today still?
0: So I think you know Tim's focus on the customer and the the dealer network, which is you know K through 12. We sell almost all of our products through a, a exclusive dealer network. Um, understanding that network, understanding how it works, and understanding how to interact with you know basically 30 other family businesses. Um, it's something that Tim was very good at. I think uh, it was something that we've continued to do well as, a, as an organization and continue to grow.
2: There's a board which is controlled or represented by the family, and um, you are the uh, president and CEO. So what are, you know, the challenges or the pluses of being a non-family member in this role?
0: There's some pluses in regards to, I can step back and look at it from a business perspective, but it, but it's the, the family is so intertwined with the with the culture of the business that it's it's not that it's a separation between the two. I think you got to be sensitive to to the to the business. You know, we have and this is something Phil started four independent board members and three family board members. So I think we have a good mix, a very good mix of, of both professional business people as well as family people, and I think the the, the common drive in terms of balancing that that come, corporate culture is, is important. So it's, it's very, inter- like I said, very intertwined between the, the objectives of both, and, and we're aligned. I think the family sits with us, uh, management and the board once a year, and goes over their objectives, family objectives, uh, to make sure that, that our strategies and, and how we're gonna lead the company uh, are, are in line with their overall um, strategic objectives, if you will. Um, of how they'd like to see the company run. I mean, they don't get uh, too into the day-to-day at all, but it's more just overall directional type uh, input.
2: And presumably it can also be a a plus to, you know, be be an outsider as well. But, you know, do you ever have to tell them, you know, stay in your own lane?
0: No, I think it's, it's they they do very well i mean it's it's a term that we do use staying in your own lane, so it's uh um you know management and the, running the company on a day to day basis We know what our role and responsibilities are I think uh, Leticia um does a great job understanding that for both where the board's role is and and then and, and the family's role the shareholders' role is so again everybody and it's and it's a mature enough organization because we've been doing this for six generations no. <laughs> When, when you need to, to step back and say, look, uh, you know, the family knows they're not going to get too into the day to or, day or whatnot. Their, their, uh, their communication and their vehicle is, is the board, and, and they select the board and, and they're um, to represent them to oversee management and the, and the strategy and the division of the company.
2: And do you feel like an extended family member? I mean, given all the time that you've spent at Hussey Seating, uh, are you, do you feel very much part of that family?
0: Yeah. I've, I've, again, known most of them for, for 30 plus years. So yes, I think it's over the time we, we know each other very well. I think we've got a good uh, relationship and rhythm. And and I think that's uh, very important to a family-owned company is to, to really understand the family wants and desires and, and, and the culture. Uh, I think it's, critical to the overall success of the organization, and I think um, having that personal relationship with, with many of them is, is critically important to, to maintaining the, the success of the company.
2: Do you yourself have any ownership stake in Hussey Seating?
0: I do not. The, the stock is, uh, is owned 100% by the, the Hussey family.
2: And where, tell us a bit about um, how Hussey Seating is doing today in terms of uh, number of employees, uh, revenue. Um,
0: and so so- we're, we're doing very well. We've, we were coming off some uh, three very strong years, uh, we're doing very well. Our revenue is well north of $100 million, um, we're a private company so we don't get in too much details in terms sure. of, of that information. Um, we have over 300 employees, um, and again, we're uh, we're very proud of all of our employees and what they're doing. COVID is presenting challenges to us. I mean, we're going to have a a good year this year because of our backlog that we started the year with, but uh, obviously, we're we're concerned about calendar year um, 2021 and in 2022. Um, but uh, we'll, as I say to many, many people, I said, we're in the social gathering business, not the social distancing business. So <laughs> we, we, uh, we need a vaccine. And uh, I, think, uh, I think that will help bring people back together to go to concerts and go to theater and go to school events and go to uh, major stadiums and, and arenas. Um,
2: and what are some of your, your latest projects?
0: This summer, we, again, we had a very full year with uh, the K-12 bleacher business. Uh, we did several hundred thousand units throughout the, the summer. Summer tends to be our, our peak shipments because the school opens in the fall. So a lot of our work is, is done in the summer. Um, two of our larger direct projects were, uh, one was in, in Phoenix, Talking Stick Arena, which is where the Phoenix Suns play. That was a major uh, renovation where they ripped out um, all the seats and and replaced and placed them many of them were our competitor seats so we enjoyed doing that <laughs> um, and the other large project was the alamo dome in in san antonio texas it was one of our largest uh, contracts in our company history and it was one of the largest again telescopic platforms probably the best thing you do is go to the hussey website and, and it'll show your videos of what a telescopic platform is but um, it was, and some
2: of those time-lapse videos are pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, it is a it's a, so those are the two major projects we did. But again, our core business that's just so important to us is our is our through our dealer network, um, our K through 12 the college university business.
2: And you also recently made an entry or or move into uh, something called esports, uh, which is people watching video gaming. So what can you tell us about that?
0: I've been learning a lot about esports in the last six months. <laughs> And uh, you're, I was at first it was kind of a hard to believe the number of people, in the, but it's the, one of the fastest growing spectator sports, of the fastest growing spectator uh, sport in this country. Um, there's also 150 or more, 180 uh, Division One, two um, colleges that have esports teams, varsity level teams, and they in the spectator um, need the because a lot of these people they'll fill arenas um, to. To watch these uh, these kids, as I call them, uh, to to play to play video games, and it's a very lucrative business for uh, for everybody, both uh, the individuals playing as well as uh, the participants. So we we've, we've signed up in uh, now the exclusive seating contractor for the, uh, the National Association of Collegiate uh, Esports. Uh, we're very excited about that uh, alliance. And we're looking at it as an opportunity for us to, which is going to be tough over the next couple of years, but an opportunity for us to, to sell seats into a, in venues that, uh, we haven't been in much before, but
2: it's a great new world of of e-sports. And yes. so, you know, Hussey is a company. It's been around for 185 years, yet it's also very entrepreneurial. And, you know, when you sort of run ideas for new business areas by by the board, you know, do you ever have to make a strong sales pitch?
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. We have to, if we want to change direction, a change going, making significant investments into a new area. Um, you know, we do uh, we have to sit down and do our homework and, and make it the presentation and and the board is is more of a collaborative board in, in regards to their experienced uh, business people and what we use them for is is really almost like in a consulting mode is saying okay this is what we're thinking about doing this is the research we've done this is, is how we like to to go after it and what makes it a very very strong board is is they have they can apply their Previous um, business experiences to say, yeah, that's that's good. Or you've thought of this. Or I, I would pay attention to this particular uh, issue. So it's a, it's more of a. You don't go in front of them and get an approval type. Although that obviously happens at times, sure. but, but, but it's but it's. I like to describe it as more of a, uh, a consulting collaborative board where you can get somebody from that's not immersed in the day-to-day, they can step back and, and, and give you that perspective that you need to, when, you, when you're close to the details so you can help see the forest from the trees, if you will.
2: So they give you input as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're now going to take another very short break, and then we will wrap up with some final
1: thoughts. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before, which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org.
0: It's not fun. It's not worth doing. I think one of the other part of our culture is that we work hard, but we also have fun while we're doing it.
2: We are back talking to Gary Merrill, President and CEO of Hussey Seating, and what it's like being the first non-family member to lead this family-owned company that's been around since 1835. So, Gary, just first of all, how is Hussey Seating doing right now?
0: We're doing well. I mean, like we're, we're going to have a good year, but a lot of it is, is that we had a, went into this year with a very strong backlog, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, the the talking stick in the Alamo dome, as well as our, our bleacher work that we did this summer. Obviously right now uh, we're challenged quotes are down. The business is slowing down and we're looking forward to saying, okay, how do we, how do we increase sales or how do we maintain our revenue level that we've had over the last two or three years. We're confident that we'll be, uh, it'll be a little bit of a bumpy ride here for the next 12 or 24 months, but not, not too, too concerning. I think, uh, as I mentioned, we once a vaccine comes in, in play, I think uh, most people won't be the same as it always has been. But a lot of people are going to want to get back to concerts. They're going to want to get back to um, athletic e- events, uh, be it's pro or college or I mean, you know, high school sports, too. So,
2: Sure. It's probably safe to say that um, seating for you know spectator events will be forever changed uh, after COVID.
0: Right, and we don't know exactly how that is or what that means. A lot of that will be led by the architects and, and the facility owners. I mean, and we'll be working hand in hand in terms of with them, in terms of saying um, how do they see, uh, see the changes. And, and, and we're very confident with our design capabilities that we'll be able to accommodate what they would like to see us morph into to to, to address these uh, these concerns. So. It, so much is unknown in the industry right now. A lot of the there's a fine line between they want to maximize revenue in terms of spectators at the same time they want to obviously keep everybody safe and illness free. So it's it's going to be a lot of a lot of changes in the industry. None of which anybody has a very clear crystal ball on what they're all going to be. But
2: sure. And what what about your uh, you know your career and the longer term future of Hussey? I mean, they say that you know a succession plan it should be in place day one of, of somebody taking on a new role. So any thoughts or plans about your own retirement yet?
0: Yeah, we we're, we're, I'm working with the board. We do have, uh, we had working on and have a succession plan in place, um, which is, as you mentioned, is, is key um, for all, all roles within the organization. And we, we go deeper with.
2: Sure. And you've had quite an interesting and, and varied time uh, at Hussey seating. So, um, you know, any advice that you would give to your younger self to, you know, when you started out?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. I don't look back too many times. I mean, I always try to look forward and, and, and um, live in the, the day and, and look at for opportunities in the future. And we all make mistakes, um, but there's not many do overs in this life. So I think it's mostly just looking forward and saying, you know, what, what can you do to, uh, to make it a stronger company, a better company in, in, in regards to, the culture, the community, and, and overall, making sure that the company that we turn over to the to the next generation is stronger than than, than what we found, and I and I think we're well on the way to, to being able to accomplish that.
2: And any advice that you would give to to someone, um, you know, in a similar position who's about to or thinking about leading a family-owned firm, what would be your first uh, piece of advice to that person?
0: I think. Like in many many positions is listening really understanding the people the players um, and and hearing them through understanding their concerns or their their desires uh, but at the same time being open enough to be to make sure everybody is on the same page and is realistic with their their expectations and realistic with the, where they want to lead the company or where they where they want to see the company go so I think um, i don't think you can communicate too much i think uh, especially in a in a in a family company it's so intertwined with with management employees the the family especially in a company like that's multi-generational
2: uh, right <laughs> now you uh, said the seventh generation is coming up soon
0: yeah there's uh, there's um, tim's tim's children i think are the oldest uh, there's i think 17 in the seventh generation I'm told I'm told
2: 17 wow yeah. that's a lot so a- any other takeaways from this whole experience that that you want to share
0: no it's i think it, it's it's been fun if it's not fun it's not worth doing i mean i think it, it is if uh, i think one of the part of our culture is is that we work hard but we also have fun while we're doing it and whether it's at work every day or and and with customers i mean in, in those personal relationships and with our dealers i mean some of our our closest personal relationships are, are with our dealers that get up and whether it's Oklahoma Washington State or Florida or Texas or whatever, they get up every day and their business going out, repping and selling Hussey and, and the relationships that we make with them is, is very important. So it's it's like any business, it's people. Um, you get the right people, you get the right people working with you and, and uh, I think it's it makes for a fun, fun environment. So if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be coming into work every day, so. <laughs>
2: Great, well, you obviously are having fun. So thank you very much, uh, Gary, for taking the time and sharing your story. Thank you to everybody for listening. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and rate it and keep listening.
1: The Day That Changed Everything is a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainebiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The MainBiz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.